this is the second sermon in a don't series. I have a lot of sermons that begin with don't. You know, the, the Ten Commandments are negative. Do not, do not, do not. So nothing wrong with negativity. Nothing wrong with if it's in the right direction to keep you away from evil, keep you away from wrong. It's got to be don'ts. Last week was don't discourage your encourager. Today is don't quit. A lot of people on the edge of quit. Chris Barrows on his desk has a sign that I made for him. It says you can't lose if you don't quit. There'll be some days that I know working with me is easy, but some days, believe it or not, you may want to quit. But if you don't quit, you're going to make your way through it. Take your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season you shall reap. If you faint not, easy to read, easy to read. A lot of God's word is easy to read and easy to understand, but not so easy to practice. You need God to help you. Another passage is Colossians 4.17. It says, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received of the Lord that thou fulfill it. Paul, uh, Paul, uh, Paul's instruction to the folks at the Church of Colossae. It has been said, finish what you start. We desperately need to understand that truth. We need to start and finish our marriages. All the way home. Let's make it all the way home. The Bible said, what is home for a marriage? Till death do you part. The Bible condemns divorce. God says he hates divorce, Malachi. Don't divorce. Murder maybe, but no divorce. Start what you finish. finish start and finish your salvation. You've been born from above. You trust Christ as your Savior. You ask for your sins to be forgiven. You've been filled with the Holy baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Go all the way home with God. Start and finish the job you've been given. One of the one of the heart desires I had with God when I He called me into the ministry was to be able to have a long term ministry somewhere. I knew preachers, and, the, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with this. Preachers moving from church to church every four or five years. I've seen it done successfully. Some people, that's their call, to move around. But I ask God, I don't want that call if it's possible. I would love to be able to stay somewhere and get some lifelong friends. and some. He's, he's granted that, by the way, already, 44 years here. And God's granted that. I looked up at Colossians' verse where it talks about fulfill your ministry there. The word fulfill means to bring to completion. In uh, A.T. Robertson, for you Greek people, it's in the pre that word's in the present active subjunctive. It means keep on fulfilling it. Keep on fulfilling your ministry or finish it. Bob Jones Sr. said, the test of a man's character is what it takes to stop him. The question I asked you this morning is, what does it take to stop you? Now, we have a bus minister here. 
That's a hard ministry to do. By the way, 59 on a rainy day. I got to give it to you for that. That's big. The third rainy day, third Sunday raining, 59. I had 61 last week. Unbelievable. It's tremendous. All the routes are up. God bless the captains of those routes and the people that assist them, the drivers and people who assist them and all that goes into that, secretaries. We do not have a bunch of quitters in the bus ministry. We got a bunch of folks that are willing to go all the way home in the bus ministry. There's a great reward for that. I hope some minor insult or being ignored or overlooked or slightly mistreated does not push you into quitting. My wife and I have been married 53. We married four, we married 53 years, 46 wonderful years. On the way to church this morning, we had a little spat. You ever ever had a little spat? It caught me funny. She got mad at me. Can you believe that? She got mad at me about something I do. When we pull out of traffic, I don't like to, her to say whoa or no because it sounds like go. <laughs> I'm hard of hearing. I said, if you want to live, you've got to say stop or proceed. Now, we're having us a little bit of friction on that. She does not want to say those two words. She wants to say go, no. And I said, I don't, I, so I just do nothing. I just sit there and I don't know what you said, so I'm not going, I'm not doing. You have any problem? But uh, but I want to tell you, we're going all the way to the end by the grace of God. We're going to make it all the way. I'm not going to let some minor insult. A Christian needs a thick skin if you're going to fulfill the ministry that God's given you to do and not quit. A born-again believer is called a soldier of the cross. 2 Timothy chapter 2, you're a soldier. That's why I have, there's a lot of things in the Bible about me as soldiers, military. And so you can't be no sissy boy if you're going to be a soldier of the cross. You have to be tough. You have to be determined. You have to run the race. You have to receive the prize by the grace of God. I read an illustration of a young man taught a fifth grade, where Brother Bob Miller taught fifth grade for years, taught a fifth grade Sunday school class of boys. And he'd been teaching the boys for quite a while and was having a great success with the boys and had a tender and compassionate heart with the young man and told them Jesus, you know, with a tear in his eye many times, told them about Jesus and how they could be saved. But he had some unjust criticism. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine somebody criticizing you? Well, sometimes the devil comes through people. I hate to say this, but I've been used of the devil. I've been used of the devil. How about you? Sometimes I've done stuff that, honestly, I'm representing him more than I'm representing the Lord. And so he got some unjust criticism, hurt his feelings badly, and he, he wrote his letter of resignation out, went into the Sunday school superintendent's office to give it to him that morning. And there was a couple of boys, unknown to them, he was, they didn't know he was in that room. They were saying to him, a couple of his boys, one kid said, I heard a teacher's going to quit. 
The other boy got mad and said, he's not going to quit. He can't quit. Well, we're one of the first boys in his Sunday school class, and he told us that God had given him this ministry. Well, he's God's man. He can't quit. The old Sunday school teacher overheard that boy say that. Got tears welled up in his eyes. And he told God, I can't quit. I can't quit. And don't you quit. By the grace of God, because you run into some criticism or you run into some negativity by one of your sweet brothers in Christ, even if it's your wife or even if it's your child, don't let anybody stop you from fulfilling what God has put on your plate to do, your ministry. Everybody has a ministry. These, everything orchestrated today here, the songs we sang, the special music that we sang has something to do with what I'm preaching this morning, and none of us talked together. It was God planned. I'm telling you, it was God planned. Couldn't have been planned any better. This truth today is a massive truth. How many times people quit just before the victory? It is my desire this morning to renew your hope, to resolve you and help you to resolve to never quit, that something that God has put in place into your hand to do, that you'll finish it. I'm going to give you three things that I know for sure that God has given every one of us to do. Now, there are many specific and unique things God gives us to do based on who you are and where your gifts are and what God wants you to do. I understand that. But today, I'm going to speak mostly of three major gifts of, of, of jobs, of ministries that every one of us, every born-again believer has to do. First of all, don't quit witnessing. Don't quit it. A lot of times people get born from above and early saved people are eager to witness. They're excited about their salvation. They're fired up about what God's done for them. They're hot about, their gratitude is at a high level to what God is fresh with them. And they'll go around and newborn again believers are tremendous witnesses. They'll go out. They don't know much Bible. They're the least amount of Bible they'll ever know in their life, yet they're the most bold of their whole entire life. They'll go around telling people, hey, I don't know much about it, but Jesus saves. You all know what I'm talking about. It happened to you. Then as they get more mature and learn more Bible, they, they get some resistance, obviously, right? They get told off a few times. I don't want to hear about that anymore. Don't you ever say that again to me. And they get discouraged sometimes. And they don't see God maybe work the way they think he should work. And they try to put limits and or over-expectations on God, and, and he maybe disappoints them. And so they, they quit witnessing. I had a jail ministry when I was at Bob Jones University. I had a jail ministry in Greenville, South Carolina. And every Sunday afternoon, I would go down to the jail and witness it. Now, the way it was is they had individual cells that were about 10 foot by 10 foot. And you could go to each cell. You were allowed to go. I was allowed to go to each cell. And there would be two men in each cell. I didn't go to the women's cell. I just went to the men's. And so the men, I'd come up to the cell and say, cell, say I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Anybody would like to talk with me about it. And I went to this one particular young man that was in jail, and he didn't want to talk to me. He, he told me, I don't want to talk. Go on down the road to somebody else. The next week, I visited him again. Although, I'm going to give this guy another shot. I went and visited him again. He was a little bit warmer that day, and, but not too warm. And after I began to talk to him, he came distant and cold. 
The third week I went back, I visited him again. I said, I'm going to try this boy again. The third week I visited him, he was much more interesting. He listened intensely as I explained to him the Gospels. And the Gospel with tear in my, tears in my eyes that he could get saved. And eventually at the end of that conversation, 20 minute or so conversation, he bowed his head and asked Jesus to save him. I told him God had to put you in jail so that you would give the gospel an opportunity. How many of you, don't answer me, how many of you have allowed somebody to thoroughly explain the gospel to you? You need to allow them time to do that. Don't make God put you in jail so that you'll be, you'll, you'll be contained so that you can't run and so that you'll be more interested to hear the gospel. You shouldn't have to go to jail to let somebody explain the gospel to you. You meet somebody you don't know and say, has anybody ever, I can't, I've said this over and over again, I can't believe how many people say that. They've never allowed anybody, sat down in a, in, a, in a one-to-one basis and allowed somebody to explain the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. But you owe it to yourself, and if you're listening over the internet and on the Facebook or wherever we're at, you owe it to yourself to allow somebody that knows the Bible to explain to you for 20, 30 minutes what it means and what the gospel means and what Jesus means. You owe it to yourself. Ernest Stewart was a deacon here. He was a founding deacon and helped start the church. He was a unique kind of guy. They were all unique, you know. Ernie was kind of a dry personality. But he was a witness for Christ, and I'd go with him visiting. I was 28 years old when I first came here. I was young. He was, by that time, he was old. He was in his 50s. And so I would go. He would take this young 28-year-old out witnessing. So I said, I want to go. And Thursday night we go. We go. We went to a place in uh, east uh, by Citrus Park. I remember the house over on that road, Citrus Park, years ago. We'd stopped in this little park. We had to drive quite a way back to the house. Got back to the house, went in there, and we said, and they were gracious, and they let us in, and Ernie would try to tell them about Christ, and they were, you could tell, they just had like zero interest. And I'm going to tell you this, and you won't hardly believe this, but we visited those people with Ernie. I visited those people four times a year for four years. Four times a year for four years, except for the last visit, they had no interest. I mean, didn't give us a little glimmer of light. No interest. But Ernie wouldn't quit. I, I'd say, Ernie, where are we going tonight? He said, well, we're going to go out there. To, I said, oh, I know where we're going. He had a burden for these people. I, could tell, I even told Ernie, let's go. Let's go let's, I don't know if they want us to keep going back. He says, well, they keep saying it's okay to come, so I'm going to come. So we went. That last night, four times for four years, the last time we went back, the man wasn't interested, but the wife was intensely interested in the gospel, and she she carefully listened to Ernie explain the gospel to her and bowed her head and asked Jesus to save her and forgive her of her sins. Don't quit witnessing. Ah, preacher, you don't know how discouraged I've been. Nobody's, Nobody's believed. Don't quit witnessing. We're to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He didn't say how many people you're going to lead to Christ. He didn't say how many people were going to respond to what you said. He just says, be witnesses. Be my witnesses. A witness is the word martion in Greek. It means uh, someone who has is, who is, uh, experienced what they're telling people about. A witness is something you have to see. You have to be there. You have to hear it. You've been saved? 
You've witnessed it. You've experienced the Holy Spirit. You understand what it means to be anointed from heaven? Take what you've learned, what God has given you as an eyewitness, and go everywhere you can. Don't be obnoxious. Don't be crazy. But just say, would you like to hear about what a God did for me and what happened to me? Be a witness. Don't quit being a witness. Don't do it. There was a, young, there was a 35-year-old man. We, my brother and I, years ago, lived on Fort Myers Beach. We lived on Fort Myers Beach. I lived there for about a year in 1970. I believe it was 71, somewhere in that time. And this guy um, named Charlie Foster, I've talked about him before. He was uh, worked for, he, he climbed poles for the FPL, Florida Power and Light. He just got through his second divorce. Everything he owned was in one suitcase. He used to tell us he was a happy-go-lucky soul. But I'm going to tell you, he was the best snook fisherman I ever was around. He'd catch four, the limit was four, he'd catch four snook, boom, 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 nobody catch anything. It was unbelievable. It was almost magical, snook fishing. And that got me kind of interested in him because I wanted him to teach me how to snook fish. And he did. He showed me how to bait. He showed me how to do it. I copied that boy every everything. I used to say, would you bless my, would you bless my bait here? And we'd throw that thing, because you could throw right beside him. He'd catch him. You wouldn't. You'd just wonder what hat, what is going on here? Would just touch my bait and put some of that smell over there. Well, we were fishing with him. We'd witness to him, and he had very little to no interest in what we were saying. He just kind of humored us, you know. He just wanted somebody to fish with, and he didn't want us to be there. But we'd just tell him about Jesus. Hey, you know, think about Jesus. And We'd give him cassette tapes. I don't know if he ever listened to it at the time, but finally after doing this over almost a six-month period of time, I gave him a tape on, you won't believe this, but it was a tape by Bob Harrington. You old people know who I'm talking about. Chaplain of Bourbon Street. It was on how I know I'm saved. And Bob Harrington preached a great sermon on five points of how I know I'm saved. We gave him that cassette. Chris was back there going, what's a cassette? We gave him that. And the next day he came, and when you looked at him, he said, something's different about him. I don't know quite what it was, but something's different about him. Charlie, what, what happened? He said, man, I listened to that tape last night, how I know I'm saved. But Bob Harrington, he said, I turned that thing off after I got done, got down on my knees beside my bed and asked Jesus to forgive me and be my Savior. He he came to he and we lost track of him after a while. He was he was big on passing tracks out. Always had track in his pocket. And he came back and visited me here through the years. And he's in heaven now. Charlie's in heaven. Don't quit. Don't quit being a witness. You never know when God's going to do something. You never know when God's going to move. Don't quit witnessing because the lost are depending on you not to give up on them. All you get saved, you, you people saved in here, not all of you may be saved, but the people in here this morning are born again, saved. Somebody had to be a witness to you. Maybe it was a mother, maybe it was a father, maybe it was a brother, maybe it was an aunt, maybe it wasn't a relative at all, maybe you picked up a gospel track. Uh, but somebody didn't give up, and that's how you got the gospel. Don't quit. It's first thing. So first thing don't quit is don't quit witnessing. Be encouraged this morning to be a witness for Christ wherever you go. You say, I don't I have any fruit. Just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Secondly, don't quit praying for folks. Let us not be weary in well-doing. Do you think praying is well-doing? I believe you could say that. Do not be weary in witnessing. I think witnessing is well-doing. Do not be weary in praying, because praying is, well, is noteworthy and some well-doing. 
I thank God over and over again that my mother never quit praying for me. Man, oh man, she scared me one day. I was a rebellious teenager from about 13 years old to right at about 18 years old, living for the flesh and wickedness. And, and, and my mom and dad's heart really were broken about what was going on. Didn't quite know how to stop it or how to convince me to change. And my mom said one day she was cried and cried over me. And she says, I'm going to quit crying over you, Bill. I'm going to turn you over to God. I said, oh, man, don't do that, mom. Don't turn me over to God. She said, I'm turning you over to God. I'm not going to shed one more tear for you, son. I'm giving you to God and let him do whatever he wants to do. I, I was scared. I remember leaving that conversation going, what in the world is God going to do to me? I stand here in a large part through the intercessory prayer of my mother. Many nights as a teenager. Parents, you've got a wayward child. Don't you quit praying. I don't see any evidence that they're even changing or even going to change. And, and let me say this, if they don't change, and if they decide to reject Jesus, you've prayed for them all the way home. All the way to you die, you make a decision. That's what praying without ceasing is about. Pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying. Don't get, you say, I, I've gotten discouraged praying for people. I'm, I pray for my brothers and my relatives and, and, and folks around me, my neighbors. I got a whole list of neighbors I pray for. I haven't really seen anything big happen in that thing. For 25 years, I prayed for my neighbors. Pray for my mother-in-law over 40-plus years. She did get saved, by the way, amazingly, phenomenally, as I've told you before. But never quit praying. Just pray without ceasing. I believe prevailing prayer is what God's talking about. You pray for something, you know God is for it, and you just won't quit. You're having marriage, marriage trouble. Pray for God would heal your marriage. Don't quit praying that God would heal your marriage. God wants it. You know God wants it. So you're on the same side with God. You're partnering with God and saying, God, please, you know God wants to, you need to pray for your nation. Pray for America. Never quit praying for America. You say, oh, it looks awful dark. Yeah, it's darkest just before the dawn. And every revival I've ever read about, times were very dark, and God came in a, in a power of the Holy Spirit and caused revival. In our country in the 1700s, it was said that Christianity was dead. Then an old man by the name of Jonathan Edwards preached sinners in the hands of an angry God. In the east, the east coast of our country and a fire broke out and revival swept all all over the United States and revival saved us it can, it can it, listen if it happened once it can happen again I believe God can do it well prophecy quit quit that people say well prophecy this prophecy that you don't know where we're at in prophecy I don't know where we're at in prophecy. We're somewhere close to the end, but we may be 500 years from the end, 100 years from the end, 50 years from the end, or it may be tomorrow, but I don't know where we're at exactly. We're too close to it to make that decision. Don't use prophecy as a reason not to pray for America. Pray for your country. The Bible says to. Absolutely. Commanded to. Pray, pray. Don't quit praying. I think of James, the half-brother of Jesus, the writer of the book of James. He's called Old Camel Knees. He's called the Pastor of Jerusalem. 
Why is he called camel knees? Because he had calluses on his knees from persevering spirit of prayer. I laid floor covering for 17 years. I had calluses on my knees. I know what it's like to have calluses. I could crawl around on my knees all day long, no problem. I wish it was from praying. I had calluses on my knees. Jacob, I think of Jacob wrestling with that angel, and he wouldn't quit. He wouldn't quit. He got his hip out of joint. He wouldn't quit. And God rewarded him for his persevering in prayer and changed his name from Jacob to Israel and had the 12 tribes of Israel. God's looking for a few folks that just won't quit. You just won't be insulted off of it. You just won't be discouraged off of it. You just won't quit. You just laid your life down to do what God wants you to do, and you just won't let the old devil, the flesh, and the world pull you off of it. We got a 77-year-old bus driver right in front of me, 77 years old. Still driving the bus. Now, don't spread that around. The third thing I mentioned this morning quickly is don't give up being zealous for God and the local church. So many times you give up just before the victory. My brother and I dove for lobster since 1979, and I think I quit diving in 2005, something like that. We take a month, average, a month, sometimes more, sometimes less. We take a month to go down to the Keys. Opening season of lobsters, August 6th. If you live here, I highly recommend you go down there and catch some lobsters. We, we, the reason we lobster is because we had no money. We were broke. We didn't make much laying floor covering, just a kind of subsistence living. And we, we thought we wanted to go lobster with all them big-time people with money, and there's one way we could do it, is we could catch the lobsters and sell them. And that would pay for our motel. The cost of being down in Key West is 500 a day, any way you look at it. And you had to catch $500 a day of lobsters, shoot fish, catch lobsters, sell them, and we fed the rich people of America. But it was like a God thing. We went one week, and then two weeks, then three weeks, then four weeks, and five weeks. One of the longest time was seven weeks. We were under the water. I did a little quick calculation even before I came to church this morning. We were under the water. How many? About eight. Could be. Well, I did ten dives a day, which typically is an hour a dive, but I'm going to cut it back to eight. And times the amount of time we were there, I was under the water somewhere around 8,400 hours. We did really well. Uh, we got somewhat, we got, we tell you what, we got well known in Key West. People would come up to us and say, are you the Lytell boys? I said, yes. You're the ones that catch all those lobsters, come in with three big old barrels of lobster a, a day. I said, yeah, that happens. That's right. Wow, how do you do that? People would always ask me, how do you do it? How do you do it? How do you do it? Here's my advice. Go out in the water. Put your head down. Start looking for lobster from dark to dark. See, they want to go out there in two hours. You give them a hot spot. They want to go out there and collect 100 lobster in a couple hours and come in home. I said, it's not that way. you got to go out there and pay the price. you got to go out there and put your head down and keep your head down all day long. Many times we didn't come in till it was dark. We left early and came in when it was dark. And I, Troy is here. Is Troy here today? Yeah, Troy. Troy knows this. Really, 
Troy was our, I hate to say this about your son, I'm sorry. He was our bird dog. He was our bird dog. And so Troy was with us, and much of that time Troy was with us, from eight years old on. And so we'd tell Troy, we'd, we'd go to a spot, we'd see something on the graph, a raised part on the graph, and we'd say, Troy, I want you to get your stuff on and go down there and see if there's anything there. Now, we typically could dive in a day from dark to dark about 10 times, 10 tank dives. Okay, so that was what we averaged. But here's what we were looking for was we were looking for a place that had over 100 lobster in one spot. That's what we're looking for, over 100 in one spot. And sometimes early in the morning, you'd hit a spot, over 100, so you'd already catch 100 the first dive. Woo, sometimes 175 lobster, first dive. And we'd be all fired up from that, but we still had a rule. We still wanted to go all the way to dark. And it was I counted this over and over again. A lot of times we'd have nothing, or we'd have 20 lobsters, 15, 20 lobsters by the, after the ninth dive. Now, diving 10 times is fatiguing. First of all, putting on a tank, taking off the tank, putting on your fins, taking off the fins, putting all the stuff, jumping on the boat, jumping off the boat, and then swimming all that period of time is very fatiguing, can be fatiguing. By the end of the day, we were pretty well shot. We'd come and we'd, we'd say, we're, well, we're just on our way home. If we hit something on the way home, we're going we're gonna to stop and see. And this would be just before dark. sun's just at the, at the water. And uh, we'd hit a spot, boom, boom, you know, a little raise in the graph. And we'd say, Troy, get your stuff on and go down. Well, he was young and he was eager. He had more energy and had brains. And he'd jump into the water and go look it out. And I'm not kidding. Troy knows this for true. The last dive, the last dive, the last dive, over and over and over again for, through the years would be the one that had the 100, 150. I'd say he'd come up real quick. You knew it was good when he went down and came right up. He'd come up and he'd go, man, they're everywhere. We'd say, good, let's catch him. We'd catch him until we couldn't see anymore, go back the next morning and pick it up. Sometimes we quit just before God comes. Bible says God, he feeds the birds. Doesn't it say that? I want you to notice the birds get up early. I want you to notice the birds are hunting all day long for food. They don't quit hunting for food. Just because you give them a bunch of food in the daytime, they just keep hunting for food. They want food. Yes, God gives the birds food, but he tells them you've got to work for it. God will give you souls, but you gotta, you got to give the gospel out. God will answer your prayers, but you got to pray. God will help you to be a blessing to the local church and to God's ministry, but you got to work. you got to stick with it. you got to stay through the trouble. you got to stay through the storms. In the Keys, oftentimes, we'd have some bad storms come up. They have these a real... I don't even know what they call them, but it would be like 70-mile-an-hour winds. Sometimes it blew the boat sideways. We had it, Believe it or not, we had a big boat, 16 feet long. We're out there with them big boys, you know, them 27, 35-foot boats, two engines. We had one old engine, which we rebuilt a couple times, a 140 Johnson on the back. We painted, repainted everything. It looked like the Clampets going lobster. 
We, we parked in the big, with all them big boys, all that high money stuff, we parked this little 16-foot nasty, 16-foot nasty looking little boat with all kinds of stuff, stick, two spear guns out the back, a couple other things sticking out. of we, we put 20 tanks on that thing and everything. And people would come by in amazement, look at it and say, wow, are you the Lytell boys? How do you catch them lobster? We, I used to tell some of them, you get out here at 10 o'clock and get back home at 3 o'clock, you're never going to do any good. Sometimes they did, sometimes they didn't. You know, sometimes we fail in Christianity. God's provided everything for us to succeed. But we just don't have the gumption. Is that a word? The gumption to pick what he's given us, but he's not going to spoon feed you. You've got to get up. You've got to read the Bible. All the wisdom of the ages is in the Bible for you to succeed. But you've got to read it. Well, that preacher, I swear, well, stop looking at your phone three hours a day. You'll be able to read the Bible easy. You know what I like to do someday at church is have collect all your phones and go through and see what screen time is for everybody. What's your screen time? What's your screen time? What's your screen time? What's your screen time? And I say, now how many hours do you read the Bible this week? Oh, preacher, now that's meddling. I'm not meddling as much as God's going to meddle at the judgment seat of Christ. I'm easy on you compared to what's going to happen in the judgment seat of Christ when every deed done in the body is judged whether it be good or bad. Every man's work will be made manifest to what sort or quality it is. That's what the Bible says is going to happen. And what I'm here to help you is I am your spiritual fitness coach. And I'm trying to get you fired up to do the right thing and not do the wrong thing and to be excited about the things of God and not to quit. People get, sometimes they come to church, they expect something. I don't know what they expect from a local church. Maybe they expect the angels to be singing and all of us to be floating above the floor or something and never do anything. But you're just among a bunch of sinners that are saved by grace. And sometimes they act like sinners. Brother Hiles one time said, half my church is in jail, the other half just got out. I mean, some of you are some renegades, some hooligans, if we knew all about what went on in your private life. But you're the kind of people God wants to save because he saves sinners. He didn't come to call the righteous to repentance, but sinners. Don't quit. Don't you let them drive you out of church. Don't you let a, 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 some miss some misconception or uh, some, some critical person or some inconsistency that you saw in the preacher or some inconsistency you saw in the deacons or some inconsistency you saw at a church. Brother, like it or not, God saves people, puts them together, calls it the local church, and he said that that local church is the place of growing, it's the place of knowing God, it's the place of supporting missionaries, it's a place to get the worldwide vision out. That's the local church. I don't like it. Well, you're not liking what God ordained. He didn't say it was going to be perfect. If it was when you came in, you'd change it. Don't quit. Don't quit. Whatsoever you do, do heartily as under the Lord, 
and not unto men. You teach Sunday school, you're really teaching it for Jesus. You drive a bus, you ride a bus, you're doing that for Jesus. He says, when you've done it to the least of these little ones, you have done it unto me. I love the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is a hall of heroes. And it talks about people that never quit. That's really what the whole thing's talking about. It's talking about people who never quit. If you look at the hall of heroes there, they never gave it up. Joseph had every reason to quit, didn't do it. Abraham had a reason not to, to quit and not to slay his son, but he went ahead and obeyed God. Paul got beat to a pulp, had every reason to quit, but he didn't quit. You can go down through Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and all the rest of the prophets, it says there in chapter 11. I have listed, God listed those people are people that weren't quitters. I don't have much talent. God will give you what you need. He'll provide for you what you need if you'll not take your hand off the plow and look back. I hope today it helps you some, reminds you of this area of service that we not quit. Just don't quit the things that God has clearly told you to do. Father in heaven, help us this morning. Encourage us this morning in the things of God to go all the way, all the way home, to be faithful, as you said to the church of Smyrna, be faithful unto death, and I'll give you the crown of life. Those people in Smyrna said, now you're not going to get that crown of life without being faithful unto death. How about you this morning? Are you discouraged? Have you been insulted? Have you been damaged in some way where you're saying, God, I just can't take it anymore. I'm not going to go forth. Your marriage is struggling. My husband's not treating me right. My wife's not treating me right. What may help both of you is if you look at each other in the eye and say, whatever happens, we're not going to quit on each other. That may improve it a lot. Whatever you do and whatever I do, we're just not going to quit on each other. We're going to stay together and see what God will do. See what kind of miracle God will do. Give God some miracle space to show his hands strong. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for all the examples of people who went forward and didn't quit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com. Or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.